Hi, everyone. This is John Girdwood from the Michigan State University Work-Life Office. I wanted to start off with a little preface to our episode today because uh, this is actually a two-part episode. So if you're listening to this, just note that there will be a second episode that you can also listen to about the 2020 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. commemorative celebration um, that occurs over that entire week and beyond in January of 2020. As you know, uh, January 20th of 2020 is the national holiday that commemorates the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. MSU has recognized and celebrated the life of Dr. King since 1980. In February of 1998, the Board of Trustees passed a resolution canceling classes with the goal that MSU provides students with educational opportunities to commemorate the work of Dr. King and others. Over the years, we have continually added ways for all to participate as well as students. So that includes faculty and staff, which is who the Work-Life Office serves and supports. University employees, faculty, staff, community members have many opportunities to engage in activities celebrating the legacy of Dr. King And there are several important 2020 milestones. Uh, The first is it's the 40th anniversary of the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. commemoration at Michigan State University. It is the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment that provided women the right to vote. And it is the 150th anniversary of women students attending Michigan State University. So again, I wanted to set the table for this two-part episode with Paulette Granberry-Russell, the Senior Advisor and Director of the Office for Inclusion in Intercultural Initiatives, as well as uh, guest co-host Carly Cable with Linguistics and Language. She's a graduate secretary in the College of Arts and Letters and also a member and participant with the Women's Networking Association. So that's my preface for this uh, two-part episode. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another edition of the Work Life Podcast. Uh, today is a very chilly Wednesday morning, and I'm sitting in the administration building looking out at the snow. It's making me cold just looking out the window. It's that cold today. But I'm uh, here on the fourth floor with Paulette Granberry Russell in the Office of Intercultural and Inclusion Initiatives. Did I, I, I've already messed up, but that's good. Uh, it's a. <laughs> Pointing to the signs and the business cards in the room, she is. Um, but it's good that I messed that up because it's not about me to tell the listeners what this place is and who you are. It's all about you uh, talking to our listeners. So, Paulette, could you tell us a little bit, uh, first correct the name for me, sure. and then tell us about this office, what it does, and uh, who you are, and then just a little bit about your background. Okay. Yeah, well, thank you and good morning. And yes, it is cold here, but it's it's nice and warm in the space of the Office for Inclusion and Intercultural Initiatives. And um, my other title is Senior Advisor to the President for Diversity at Michigan State University. And so what exactly does that role entail? What uh, what do you advise on? Uh, <laughs> it's an inclusive it's, the role. Your role it, is inclusive of it, a lot of well, different things. Well, why do I laugh? It's it's it, it's basically asking someone how do you define 
uh, your life's work? How do you define your passion? How do you how do you put it in the context of a position that you have that actually pays you a salary for doing the things that you love that are really wired into your DNA? Um, and I'm I'm a person that has the good fortune of being able to do work that is a part of my DNA. This is work that I know I was born to do. So basically what we do, um, both in terms of advising the president, but also providing support for a campus community that is diverse, that works very hard at being equitable with the aspirational goal of being an inclusive campus community. And that is the role that we play. And we do that in a number of ways, both in terms of education development opportunities. Uh, There's quite a bit of emphasis these days on bias and implicit bias, uh, as well as explicit bias. And and how do we help uh, campus community, faculty, staff, students, as well as others, understand the role that bias can play in our daily interactions. Uh, So there's our education and development. We have uh, MSU Dialogues, which is really uh, an initiative that began not quite two years ago. We're into... um, We're going into our full second year, which is basically an opportunity for our campus community to have conversations on race and gender, and those are facilitated dialogues. So that's an important part of what it means to be a diverse campus community. Uh, We also do uh, workshops on uh, creating inclusive learning environments and inclusive leadership. Again, uh, ways in which we impact um, our campus community, which obviously, as I stated before, it's diverse, but we also know that we have to be equitable. And we know in order to be an inclusive campus, you know, you've got to build capacity of others to be able to do that. So we spend quite a bit of our effort in that regard. The other thing that uh, we're responsible for is providing um, professional and social support for diverse faculty through our diversity research network. And then, of course, community outreach which includes uh, hosting a range of major all-university events, including the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Commemorative Celebration. Which is open to everyone, right? Open to everyone. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because I don't think that most people understand that MSU was very early uh, in acknowledging and celebrating and commemorating the life and legacy of Dr. King. So uh, January 2020 will be the 40th anniversary of uh, our celebrating his life. Yeah, and so 40 years ago, if I'm doing my math right, is going to be 1979. You got it. I should know that year because it's a special one for me, 40 years ago. I'm 40 years old. And it could have been, actually, if we're thinking 40 years ago in 2020, so we're actually 1980. Right. 1980. 1980 in January. Yeah. And that was actually, it predated uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day by three years. Yeah. In terms of the federal or the national uh, holiday. Yes. Yeah. I think that there was some uh, initial movement in Michigan through uh, Congressman John Conyers. Conyers, exactly. Yeah. Who started it uh, pretty early? So, uh, were you at Michigan State back then? How do you know about the history? How does well, it all come? You know, <laughs> uh, let's let's not go too far back right. in time. But I don't. My, here's, there's a couple things that I, I when I think about Dr. King and growing up here in Michigan, but 
being raised by my mother and my grandmother, both of whom uh, my grandmother brought her family up from the South. So we were part of the great migration of African Americans from the South to the North. And Dr. Martin Luther King um, was someone who, at least within our household, was um, regarded as not only iconic, um, a hero, but a person who represented all of those things that for African Americans in this country we aspire to be, um, which was having access to equal opportunity, um, equal employment, equal educational opportunities, um, fair housing, uh, support for, um, you know, the working class, and um, abolishing Jim Crow laws that basically uh, forced segregation um, in, in all of the other forms of degradation for um, us as black Americans. And so for in, growing up in my home, Dr. Martin Luther King was, uh, and, 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 uh, and others will appreciate it when I say this, you had three things if you were Christian, you had uh, a crucifix or a picture of Jesus Christ on the wall. Uh, for those of us who were African American, you had John F. Kennedy because of what he represented in the context of civil rights. And of course, the third was a picture of Martin Luther King. And so that's how I grew up. And when he was assassinated, I remember the morning, and for whatever reasons, I hadn't heard about it earlier, but I, I remember hearing on the radio that Dr. Martin Luther King had been killed. And I remember saying to my grandmother, because she and I shared a bedroom, and I remember saying to my grandmother, um, Dr. King is dead. And all I, and, and I, can, I can still hear her voice when she said, I know. And uh, for me, having the opportunity in the way that uh, this office does to keep alive what he represented uh, means quite a bit to me. You bring up uh, an important um, uh, concept of uh, his impact both culturally uh, nationally and in the home, you know, directly to your own uh, in-home experience with the pictures on the wall and your interactions with uh, your family members. And also, uh, Dr. King has left uh, an impact on academia and Michigan right. State. And so I want to talk about our celebration uh, week here in January. And I'm interested how it would be, uh, you know, performed and enacted and manifest here at Michigan State, what it means to celebrate and recognize Dr. King in an academic setting. Sure. So I heard you say, you know, um, aspirations and equality. And when I think of our students, uh, Dr. King can be a great role model, you know, uh, so that they can um, look at someone who uh, had a high education, mm -hmm. got a lot of social impact done, um, and uh, really made it really made a legacy, you know, for years to come, uh, right. uh, several years, several decades later. Um, so, what is the event in January uh, going to be like, and how does it fit into Michigan State, our campus community, and building that inclusive uh, campus com community? What's it going to be like in January? Wow, there's a lot in what you just said here. <laughs> well, that's so, why I opened that door and yeah, I said, "Pick you, one you and go." Did. With it. Well, here, here, let's 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 do just a little bit of a slight history lesson without taking myself too far, because originally you asked if I was around at Michigan State. Right. I was here in the '70s. Um, and the president of the university at the time was the first African-American president. So I was here under President Cliff Wharton. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, not unlike students today, I was uh, I was raised by a community activist when I talked about my grandmother, and so there were a lot of things that were taking place in higher education and on campuses, including we were coming out of the Vietnam War. Uh, so student protest was something that I was familiar with and, quite frankly, kind of engaged in when I was a student here at Michigan State. Um, and so, and I, I have recollections of marching with my other student protesters on student services. It, you know, it's now the Student Services Building. And again, I just have these vivid memories of those issues that were important for us as students, which are not dissimilar from the kind of social justice issues that we hear today from our students. So in 1998, when the Board of Trustees passed a resolution to cancel classes on the day of the national holiday, they did it with the caveat that there was an expectation that we would create educational opportunities for students, so that this wasn't just a day off. And I think that's reminiscent of what you hear today which it shouldn't be a day off, it should be a day on. And what we tried to do over the years is create uh, an experience, not just on the day of the holiday, but either before or, you know, throughout the month of January or beyond, uh, which is the way things have occurred over time. But it's creating those kind of experiences that help our students, as well as faculty and staff, understand the role that King played, but also others who are part of creating social change in this country. Uh, King was just a symbol. I mean, albeit a very important one, but the work uh, of King is uh, aligned with the efforts of others in this country, but also globally. And so our job, if you will, is to create space and opportunities for others to, uh, one, acknowledge the impact of icons like King, but also ways in which we can participate within our own community on campus or off campus in promoting the ideals of King and others, uh, whether that is through service learning and volunteerism, whether it's through developing student leaders so that they can, um, for example, host the Student Leadership Conference, which happens on that Monday, uh, for us to, with our symbolic march, to that best represents and reminds us of the significant effort it took to create change in this country, to the museum exhibits, to the uh, competitions that uh, other units are hosting, to films that allow people to reflect on not only the past but the present, um, whether it's with uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the, the movie that will uh, reflect what it means to be a woman in this country because that's also a part of this year's or the 2020 celebration, uh, to Hidden Figures, which is the other film, and create um, conversations about what it took in order for us to begin being that more equitable, uh, democratic society that we express ourselves to be. And those, those movies are going to be screened on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday right. uh, in Wells Hall. Uh, the one called On the Basis of Sex and the other Hidden Figures, as you mentioned. 
And I noticed that there's quite a mixed bag of events uh, really running the gamut for that entire week, ranging from, uh, as you said, a student leadership uh, conference, dinner, and uh, research poster presentations, I believe, really kicks it off on that Friday. And there's a, a scholarship dinner as well, right. right? Yes. And well, let me this. And there's one other item that I cannot forget because I I don't know how I could. It's the this jazz concert on Sunday, um, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about the dinner. But I I cannot forget that. Uh, when I joined Michigan State in 1998, um, there was, in January of 99, a jazz concert that was hosted by the, at that time, School of Music in Detroit at the Charles Wright Museum. I believe that's where it was. And um, then the idea was, why don't we, uh, as we considered a couple of years later, what can we do a little bit differently? The thought was... Um, maybe we host a jazz concert here at Michigan State. And we had um, just brought on, uh, who is now the director of the Jazz Studies Program, Rodney Whitaker. And from that time until today, uh, and I think that's going to be the 20th, this may be the 20th anniversary of the Jazz Spirituals Prayer and Protest Concert on Sunday. Um, I may not have that exact time correct, but we're close to that. Uh, And then, of course, we recognize that uh, while classes are canceled, others of us are working. And uh, one of our staff many years ago had this idea of why not have a community dinner that creates an opportunity for staff uh, as well as faculty to participate in celebrating the life of King. And the community dinner has now become a tradition for Michigan State as well. Yeah, uh, that's really an important aspect of it, giving uh, faculty and staff, those who are s- somewhat, you know, they classes are canceled, right? but uh, support staff still expected to come in and be present on campus. Right. I, I hesitate to say work uh, because there are so many uh, things that are going on that week. Yeah. Uh, at, here at the work-life office, we obviously promote uh, flex scheduling and getting out and engaging. Uh, so we can't toot our horn loud enough to say participate in these events. Um, I myself have participated in the march, and it's a real visceral experience. It is. You know, you're going out there and physically marching and, and um, w- with a group, with a cohesive mm-hmm. group um, of like-minded individuals. And uh, that's a real powerful thing. Uh, I haven't been to the dinner, so maybe this is my year. Where this I has pers- to be your year. Yeah. You have to come. <laughs> I am here now. This is the 40th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. What's on the uh, What's on the menu? That's oh, good. it's fabulous. Now this is this is where you've got to give all credit to our residential and hospitality right. services. Mm-hmm. They put out a spread that starts from, you know, if you want to do the the appetizers from uh, prime rib to uh, shrimp to you know multiple vegetables and too many starches, too many carbs, too many desserts, you know, our traditional cookie from the MSU bakery. I'm sold. Right you you got to go. You, you this is, this is one of those. It's like, there. oh, and it's, it's festive because it's not set up in the usual way that a, uh, the cafeteria, well, we used to call them cafeterias. They're now dining halls, right? Mm. So I always say, you know, we have these new dining experiences, and, and the one on the day of the holiday is also a dining experience. I mean, tablecloths, everything, flowers on the table, you have to be there. 
And that is Monday, January 20th. That's right. And it starts at 5, but doors open at 445. Right. And that's at Hubbard Hall. You got it. Yeah. They're going to be able to fit us all in there? I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um, you know, each year it grows, and I think it's it's a, intended to be a family affair. Uh, there's no cost associated with it. This is MSU's gift to our community. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because we have a guest co-host here today, and that's Carly Cable from Linguistics and Language, uh, part of the College of Arts and Letters. And Carly is also a member of Women's Networking Association, which is where I got to know her. And I want to bring up this, uh, the theme for this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the theme, uh, there's some intersection with women's rights and voting, but uh, I'd like uh, Carly to ask you these questions sure. about the theme, and you all can talk about um, what, why that theme, you know, came up, and uh, yeah. you know where it originated from, why this year, uh, and that sort of thing. So I'm going to pass the mic to Carly, but in the little air time in between passing the mic, um, what? Just tell us what the theme is. You know? Still, I rise. Yeah, and it is probably one of my favorite Maya Angelou uh, poems. And um, what it represents for me as a woman and as a woman of color is um, the challenges that we have faced as women. Uh, And I think that's not only true in this country, but globally, um, because of the the ways in which patriarchy um, has played out uh, and the ways in which um, intersectionality not only as a woman, but as a woman of color, uh, when you when you have to uh, navigate environments, not only because of your gender, but also because of your race, it compounds sometimes the experiences of oppression. And the fact that when those things happen to you, you have to rise, you know, and each time um, you have an experience that makes you feel, I don't know that I can face another day. I remember, still I rise. Wow, that's really beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I actually really appreciated hearing your personal story from when you were a kid. That was mm-hmm. really, really wonderful, that relationship that you had with your mom and your grandma and how you guys really looked up to Dr. King. Yes. That was really, really awesome. And if you don't mind, um, could mm-hmm. you share a little bit of your, like, history of your story, you know, getting sure. to this point as director of the oh. OI3. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's quite a story, uh, meaning I never would have thought growing up poor, uh, single parent head of household, my mother, um, my mother and my grandmother were in those days, um, you know, they were housekeepers. And, you know, some would say domestic workers. If you think about the movie The Help, mm-hmm. uh, and I often refer to that as a way of helping people understand that for a lot of black women, uh, especially not only in the South, but any place else in this country, um, much of your employment opportunities were taking care of someone else's children mm-hmm. or tending so, to someone else's home. And that was my mother and my grandmother. Um, and But, you know, my grandmother was raised by former slaves. And um, I remember hearing the stories of Nat Turner. I remember hearing the stories of John Brown. I remember the stories of her ancestor that was brought here, my ancestor that was brought here from the shores of Ghana, 
um, and um, what he did in order to uh, protect his grandson who was being beaten by um, an overseer. And, uh, you know, his efforts to fly back to what he called his goody country. You know, so when I talk about this being the work that I do uh, hardwired into me, it's part of my DNA, it it really is. Uh, I come, you know, as I've come to better understand my own history, uh, I come from a long generation of people that have been an activist. Uh, whether it was Zebeka being brought here as a slave to this country, trying to fly back home and taking um, and, and killing the overseer who was beating his his grandson, um, to uh, my grandmother uh, and grandfather leaving the South in order to find uh, better opportunities for their family, my mother and her sister and their brother, um, to. Her, my grandmother, my grandfather working in a foundry, my grandmother um, working as a housekeeper. Her husband died in 55, the year that, you know, some of us were born. Um, My mother, a very brilliant woman who couldn't find opportunities um, with all her brilliance, um, graduating high school at 15, college not being um, available to her at that time but a person who um, was a um, someone who, every time I saw my mother, she had a book in her hand, who shared that love for reading with me. Um, one of the first books I remember reading uh, was Harriet Tubman. Mm. And so for me, it's, it's like all of my life has led to what I do today. Um, and... Um, you know, uh, you know, at 17, no, 15 or 16, um, engaging in um, getting black folks in my community to register to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a little of my trajectory. In Michigan State, I was the first in my family to go to college. Yeah. And coming to Michigan State University um, with no money, no idea how I was going to do it, but um, finding a way. Uh, I remember my grandmother, every once in a while, i get this envelope, and it would have $5 in it. And in those days, you could buy a pizza. Sure. So, you know, you could buy a couple of pizzas right. in those days for 5 bucks. And so I remember, you know, sharing pizza with my friends who were no better equipped than I was to get through this experience. But, you know, when I relate to how I was raised and the strong women who raised me Mm -hmm. go back to the theme still I rise Uh, when I think about you know what it took for my ancestors to survive in this country and still I rise when I think about my mother and my grandmother and the things that they had to do and still I rise and when I think about the things that you know, I have faced as a woman and as a woman of color, and still I rise. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the experiences of others on this campus, and I say, and still I rise, um, it is important for us to not only reflect back, mm-hmm. but also to understand that all of those experiences 
uh, allow us to keep putting one foot in front of the other in reminding our students that when things happen to them on this campus that impact them, when they feel that they're the target of offensive, denigrating experiences based on their identity, and still I rise. That's, I, I don't know that, you know, for me in 2020, there could not have been a better thing. So if you're listening to this, just note that there will be a second episode that you can also listen to about the 2020 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. commemorative celebration um, that occurs over that entire week and beyond in January of 2020.